Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yay. We did it. Woohoo. We did it. We did it. Out with the old. Woohoo. Totally. And in with more. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How'd you know what my astrology report was going to be today, uh, Benny? A wild guess, I guess. You are just so <laughs> on top of it. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome to the new year and welcome to the original Loretta Brown show with ah, the original Loretta Brown. That's ah, that's you. Ah, that's mm-hmm. me. And where would I be without Betty Mathers? Ah, that's me. That's, yeah, that's Betty. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, hold it down. Just, yeah, just take it easy over there. Take it easy. Calm down now. Yeah, that's right. And welcome to uh, Radio to Open the Heart, Heal the Soul. Ooh, that and one, Awaken the Consciousness. There. there I am. Which no, that ca- one over there. That am one I on there. this camera? That one over there. Okay, hi, everybody. Go. Good morning. And uh, It's I hope- been that long since you've been. <laughs> <laughs> Which camera am I looking at? Which camera? Let me sit. For those that don't know, smile. yes, radio is also televised in such a way on 1150kknw.com. We stream the show, so that's what we're referring to. And it's a live stream. Yep. That's the most frightening thing. Ah, you'll be you know, okay there with it. it is. You've been okay with it since then. Thank you. Let me since clean that makeup up around my eyes. Ah, I told fine. you before, you don't need it. Oh, thank you. You're oh. welcome. Oh, that is such a great way to start the show and right? start the year. Yeah. I feel so much better already. Thank you. And uh, for those of you tuning in, I'm Loretta Brown. I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area for the last 23 years or thereabouts, 23, 24, 22, I don't know, somewhere in there. Um, I love what I do. uh, Over there at Reiki Oasis, of course we do Reiki and healing. We do things with crystal bowls and and, um, uh, sound and color and hypnotherapy and spiritual counseling and readings with your guides and angels. And sometimes people come in, I think, just for advice, which uh, apparently I'm good at giving advice. I'm not good at taking it, but I can give it. (laughs) Thanks for laughing. Anyway, um, I want to tell everybody you can find out everything about Reiki Oasis at ReikiOasis.com and schedule yourself at Schedule.ReikiOasis.com for everything from appointments to workshops. I do Zoom, Skype, telephone calls, email, any, any, many, many ways to get a hold of me. I am a listener-supported show, and I would be remiss not to start the new year with just a, a big thank you to my patrons. You can go to patreon.com slash the Loretta Brown Show, sorry, and become part of the community. And anything and everything is appreciated uh, to help keep this show on the air and bring you the most wonderful guests like my guest today, which I'll bring in it at just right after the astrology report. Just <coughs> just saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ready. Keep looking at me like I'm no, no. patient or something. I, I'm just gazing at you because you're so adorable, Penny. Stop. You know? <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that. Okay. You know, I'm pl- ah, yeah, yes, there you go. You know, because i got to put a plug in for Benny, you Phew. know, because... This could be a year of change. It could be a year of romance. It could be a year of love. Oh, I like one. Oh, come on. I can't dig fast enough. All three. Oh, that's amazing. Ah, it is it amazing. Coming. Keep it coming. I know. I know. Uh, but this numerologically, 2019 is a three year. Hmm. And that means that, you know, a lot of things could happen. It's a feminine energy. 
and I, I do, uh, <clears throat> I say this with all love in my heart because actually I'm a woman, <clears throat> in case there was a question about it, <clears throat> that's, that's where I am. Uh, women can be... Your throat okay? You need some more water? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. sure. uh, sometimes, as you all know, we can be moody or something, emotional. No! Yeah, we can be just a little emotional. And so this could be a little bit of an up and down year emotionally. So if it's stormy, take cover. Um, if there's some earthquakes, you know, make sure you're stable. You know, hold your space is what I want to say. So we couldn't, yeah. Be prepared. Be prepared. That's basically what we want to say. Be prepared. Be prepared. Okay. Don't right. be over-concerned, ah. but always be a little bit more about self-care this year because that's the kind of the theme of it. There we go. Yeah. And we started the year on a very dynamic tone with two eclipses, five planets changing signs, and Uranus stationing direct. So January 2019 will be a month to remember. Oh. And like I say... I don't know how 2018 was for you. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, it was. Yeah, it was. Out of, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. But out More of, than 70%. Yeah. Out of all the clients that I see, I think only two of them said, well, it was just fine. What are you talking about, oh, Loretta? Lord. And the rest of them said, what the heck was that? Or, <laughs> right. So it's always a good time just to sort of clean things out, sweep them out. I do have a lot of people, myself included, getting rid of any clutter or mm -hmm. any extra baggage. There's this idea of lightening the load and light lightening up, right? But January 1st was one of the, um, I'm going to say, energetically, astrologically heaviest new, days, new Year days we've seen in a while, marked by an exact conjunction between Saturn and the sun. So if you had a little bit of a rough January 1st, uh, just kind of exhale and just realize, okay, Saturn, which is sometimes we call the, the planet of karma, was, uh, you know, having this conjunction with the sun, which is truth telling, truth revealing, and that kind of thing. So this sobering energy might not have been the best for festive activities, uh, but it is a stable foundation to build a great year upon because it brings us down into um, our foundation. And what is our foundation? What is your foundation? How rooted are you and how stable do you feel? So this, it, this, it, this, isn't, this isn't, excuse me, just potential to make 2019 a great year. There is potential for true greatness to be achieved and that's kind of a big deal we started out with mars entering aries at zero degrees aries which is the first degree of the zodiac it's like we're starting a new book we're not even starting a new chapter we're starting all over again at some level bringing with us i hope the wisdom and experience that we've gained mars is the planet of action not just of war it's action so we couldn't have had more new beginning energy for January 1st, even if we tried. Um, and then we've got uh, Sun conjunct Saturn. We've got Jupiter and, and Sagitt Sagittarius hooking together yesterday, which was vision setting. And Saturn and Capricorn are together, and they're about taking responsibility for the vision and putting in the actual work to fulfill it. Because in 2019, both Jupiter, 
that great big planet of expansion, and Saturn, that kind of hardworking guy, they're in their home signs. We have the perfect balance of strategy and vision, as well as resilience and commitment. So we're going to be able to go for it and then just do it. And actually, doesn't that sound good? Last year, with all those retrogrades, um, it was really tough for us to move ahead. It was like a lot of people were trying to move ahead, and then they just kept having to go back and revisit something. A lot of people told me, I just feel stuck. And now, at this time of year, I've got a lot of people who are saying things like, I've had it. I'm done. No more of that. I'm just going to step forward. And that energy is really here for us to... um, you know, consciously create something and step into, well, who knows what? What do you want to create? So some of the predictions, like I said, 2019 is a number three year, a very feminine year, very emotional. It will be about love, insight, truth. And I know even though we've had a lot of truth already coming up, there will be a lot more of this coming up with possibly some huge surprises in the government level, you know. Uh, I'm just saying. So kind of take a look at that. Um, you really got to do something about that. Throat. I do. <laughs> I do. That throat thing. It's the it's the residual of the virus that I had in December. I know. <laughs> yep. yep. It's, it's got to happen. I know a guy with not such great hair, and he's a little oranger than the two of us. Him. Oh, that guy. Him, too. Yeah, him, too. Um, mm-hmm. Thought mm-hmm. we won't go there. I'm no, just well, saying. Him, too, was alone on... <laughs> New Year's Eve. Never mind. Oh, yeah. So this coming year, the body, mind, spirit is coming through. The feminine is coming through. The attention to the detail will be coming through. And what you put out there will be coming back to you faster and faster. So be careful what you put out there. Be careful with your words and how you say things this year. Because we're very powerful with our voices and with the sound coming out. Um, my, my little prediction in the financial world, just tiny little prediction, is that the cryptocurrencies, the bitcoins, will become in more. More people will become connected to it. The money values will be going down, but don't worry about that. Um, I'm not a financial expert or, or advisor in any way, shape, or form, but I just see that we're having a shift in the financial world. I don't, uh, I have a lot of people think, saying they think real estate will fall, but I don't actually think it's going to fall like we saw in 2008, even though we've been seeing that erratic stock market going up and down. And for you real estaters, uh, March will be a great month for real estate, March into April. And uh, I, like I say, I do see a little bit of, of struggle around money in the fall of 2019. And once again, I can't tell you what to do, just you know, stabilize yourself. For the first part of this year, the word is stabilization. My guides are real clear. Just stabilize yourself, ground yourself, and don't be afraid of anything. Um, I do see more earthquakes this year. And even last night, I was looking at Volcano Watch, and there's a lot of volcanoes just kind of spitting and erupting and rumbling around. And that, to me, tells me that Mother Earth herself has a tummy ache. How dare she? (laughs) I would, too, if I were in her shoes. I would, too. You know, I think of all the plastic and the garbage. And so just do your part to, um, you know, I try to make my carbon footprint as small as possible and uh, recycle those things. It, it really does help. Two areas to watch out for earthquakes, not to raise too much of a big alarm. Uh, the first one is the Elsinore Fault east of San Diego. 
it is an area to watch out for earthquakes. And it's it, the big area. Uh, people are talking about the San Andreas Fault. That's not actually where I'm feeling the most upset. Um, the Elsinore Fault, the last major eruption, was in 1910. So it has not erupted for a while. And I'm not saying these things will be catastrophic, but I feel a, a hot spot there. And the other hot spot that I'm feeling, and I felt this on and off for a while, and I can never quite figure out if this is going to happen or it's just rumbling around. I'm a firm believer that we are co-creators and we can help. But off the state of Washington and Oregon, there's something called the Cascadia Subduction Zone. And it is a long dipping fault which is located under the ocean and stretches from North Vancouver Island to Cape Mendocino in Northern California. It separates the Juan de Fuca and the North American plates. And so these are plates that rub over the top of them. And uh, the last big quake along the Cascadia subduction zone was in the year 1700, quite a while ago. Um, but if, if that one does go, it literally will uh, create some uh, massive tsunami waves coming toward the west coast of the United States and going over to Japan. And um, so, like I say, don't, I never believe we need to be alarmed. But if the earth is shifting around and we've got the feminine principle in place, I just say, you know, kind of um, stabilize yourself a little bit. And, of course, the greatest thing any of us can do is shift our eyes from the negative onto the positive and do what we can to be those um, lighthouses, to be kind to each other, to be gentle, to be grateful, and always pass that kindness forward. So if someone's trying to open the door, um, help them with it, you know, unless they hit you with their purse or something. But um, try to be open to giving and receiving assistance from each other because that's the that's the energy we're stepping into, an energy of cooperation. So it will be a little bit of an emotional year, a gathering year, and a year filled with love and many, many opportunities to show kindnesses to yourself and to others. And, you know, is that really what it's all about at the end of the day? Yeah. Yep. Nice That's job. Right. Nice Thank wrap you. up there. Let's yeah. So come on, 2019. Yeah. I'm ready for you. Woo, me too. Now, changing uh, slightly, energies slightly, but not much. Uh, more than one in six Americans working full-time or part-time report assisting with the care of an elderly or disabled family member, relative, or friend. Caregivers working at least 15 hours per week indicated that this assistance significantly affected their work life and probably their home life. You know, if you've ever been in the situation where suddenly someone in your family, maybe a parent, maybe an elder person, and maybe even a young person who suddenly something has happened, um, they need a caretaker, this changes our lives. My guest today is Robert Sharp. He is author of the book, The Heart and Soul of Caring, The Joy and Challenges of Being a Caregiver. Robert is the founder of BiteRadio.me. He's a host and producer of the Beginning Inspiration to Earth radio show, and he's an author of numerous books. The book we're going to talk about today, The Heart and Soul of Caring, highlights 11 unique true stories of the challenges and joys of being a caregiver for a loved one. So welcome to the show, Robert. So glad to have you here. Good day, Loretta. Thank you for having me, and, and Happy New Year to you and to Benny as well. 
Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. We really appreciate that. Um, I was looking forward to having you on the show because your book, um, number one, it's it's a lovely book. I'm going to show the I'm going to show it to my um, people that are watching on the camera. It's a lovely book, and it's filled. It's not a long book, but it is very heart touching. It really gets to you to read these stories. This is a very sensitive subject, and it's a much needed subject to talk about the relationship between the caregiver and the receiver. And Robert, I want to ask you, have you been in the position of caregiver and and or what inspired you to write this book? Um, yes, yes, I have. And I expect that I will be again soon. <laughs> um, and, and then the, the inspiration for the book um, came as, as really a, a waking dream that um, when I, I'm a very much in one who takes note of my dreams. And, and in this particular one, it, I just woke up thinking I needed to do a caregiver book, um, but um, also with a focus on the receiver, you know, the, the individual who is in need of care. And, you know, and many times in caregiving situations, uh, people lose sight of the individual. You know, it becomes more of a job rather than, you know, looking at the, the spirit of the person. So I wanted this book to, you know, along with the stories, to be able to give um, homage to the care receiver. Um, that's well said because I, you know, you're right. Uh, a lot of my clients will come in and share with me things such as, um, okay, now, you know, I've moved my mother into, you know, the part of the house or, or whatever the deal it is. And um, I've had people say things such as, I don't know who she is. She's got Alzheimer's or dementia, and it's really challenging. So can you talk a little bit about what are the particular challenges that go on between the caregiver and the receiver? And you can... Talk about that from either side or both sides. Yeah, the, you know, the idea of, you know, the caregiver saying, I don't know who she or he is for the parent, um, it's often reversed, too. They don't know who the child is, mm. you know, and, and that can be, um, it can be a real strain because it, it's, you know, it seems that our personality um is really made up of the sum of all of our memories, you know, and if we start to lose those memories, then it becomes, things become disjointed with the relationship. You know, the, the care receiver who doesn't have the memories um, can be very frustrated, you know, and become angry, you know, angry at everyone, you know, including God, that they don't have that capacity anymore. Um, and then the, the caregiver can also, you know, have anger and frustration, you know, and here I am, you know, providing care and love to this person who I don't even know if they're, you know, capable of recognizing what I'm doing for them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that part can can be a real, real challenge. And, and in particular for, for caregivers who who move their parent usually in, into their home, I mean, it's a, it's a major 
uh, turn in their life, you know, on their journey. I mean, usually it's not something that was expected to happen, and it really takes up a major part of one's life. And so a lot of changes have to happen, and a lot of things that may be, may have been a priority for the caregiver will have to either, you know, be put on the back burner or, you know, less attention to, you know, some of the, the happy things that they did. And so um, it is major life adjustments in both parts. Yeah, I'm... Uh... I'm thinking about, number one, I'm thinking about some of the stories in the book, but I'm also thinking about, you know, what you're saying is such a, it's a real life issue. Um, I think many people go through life and they don't really, I mean, maybe in the back of their mind, they're thinking, okay, well, you know, I'll just use mom and dad as an, as an example. It's not always mom and dad, but mom and dad are going to get old, but they don't really plan ahead for that. So, you know, these conversations about, like, maybe with our mom or our dad, like, what do you want to have happen, you know, in, in later life or when you get to where you can't take care of yourself? It's like these conversations don't happen. Um, how can we, you know, how can we kind of navigate that? What are some of your uh, advices about, you know, how do we how do we approach this? Yeah. Well, you know, um that's a really good point. One of the stories, um, Maya Nash, her husband had a stroke, um, and he was. It was they were getting ready for their regular Fourth of July, you know, bash that they did every single year. Um, he and his son went on a camping trip, which they did every year to connect. And on that trip, he had a stroke, and um, life from that point forward was was really difficult. Now, Maya. You know, they were younger, so they didn't really have the the discussion of what to do, you know, should something happen, you know. Um, and, you know, because Joe's health, you know, there were a lot of decisions to be made and they hadn't had that discussion, Maya, you know, was kind of thrust into the that spotlight of having to make decisions for him um, that she thought he might want, but they never had the discussion. So, you know, in... For her, it was a real burden, you know, because she truly would want to, you know, honor what his thoughts and, and, and desires were. So so for, for people listening, have the discussion. It, you know, it, it can be uncomfortable. You know, you know what, what are we going to do when mom and dad aren't around? You know, um, you know, it's for, for the children. It's like, you know, I, you know, you expect your parents to be there, you know, even though you know that there is going to be a time when they will pass on. And, and then for the parents, it's like, you know, that's confronting their mortality. You know, I'm not going to be here, and, and this is, you know, this is kind of what I want to happen when that time comes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, it's Im- I think it's important if, if, you know, we don't always have a warning, like somebody might suddenly have a stroke or something, but... Um, these conversations, um, kind of from my own experience, I discovered that, you know, if we have these conversations with people before they um, go so far over the edge they can't communicate with us, that it kind of opens a pathway of healing in such an amazing way, or sharing, I suppose you might say. And um, where people will share stories or they'll just say something that you didn't expect that they were going to say, right? Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, you know, in, in, in those kinds of cases, you know, it, it can really bring people closer, you know, in, in the sense of, uh, you know, this is, like for a parent, you know, these are the stories that I hope that you will share with your children or your grandchildren, you know, to kind of pass on that continuity of, you know, a legacy and, and connection with, with ancestors, you know, and then um, also for for the the people who you know are to the point where you know they can't communicate or um, you know they have particular desires. If you talk about them ahead of time, um, you know that what you want to happen at that point will be done. So you know it's not a secret, you know, and, and or you know I mean if uh, you want burial or cremation or you know mm-hmm. you want a you know, celebration of life or you want a traditional funeral. You know, all of those kinds of things can be um, set um, in place ahead of time. And and as the person who is leaving this existence, you'll know that, that uh, what you want, how you want to leave um, is being um, implemented. Yeah. I think it's really important. Uh, I was talking to someone not too long ago, and they said, you know, Loretta, we have all these um, uh, people that celebrate the birth of a baby, Right. But talking about the end of life, we, we don't go there. We don't, we don't, you know, it's like, do we celebrate the passing of that soul? Do we honor them? And um, also there's this idea of, of soul contracts. What, you know, why are we their children? Why are they our parents? Or what, why do we find ourselves in this situation of caring for them? And how can we honor them in, in the best way possible? So there's a lot in that. We're going to take a station break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more to Robert Sharp and about his book, The Heart and Soul of Caring. And this is Loretta Brown. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Did you know that Reiki healing can be done at a distance? It's true. So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment, find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Children who grow up in poverty are part of a destructive cycle. Childhood poverty creates adult poverty, creates childhood poverty, and on and on. And this is a relentless cycle. Worldwide, millions of children live in extreme poverty. At Child Fund International, we find this unacceptable. So we do all we can. In 25 countries, we are vigorously fighting poverty and improving the lives of over 11 million children and their families. Our programs support early childhood development and children's health and education. And we help strengthen the economic security of families Childhood poverty creates adult poverty, creates childhood poverty. But at Child Fund International, we are committed to breaking this destructive cycle. Today's childhood poverty must not become tomorrow's. Learn more at childfund.org. 
Alternative Talk 1150 is your sports organization's safe bet when it comes to airing your team's games. Our players are all seasoned professionals when it comes to sports programming. Imagine your games being heard on local radio. Your team deserves the MVP treatment. Call 425-653-1150 today to learn how affordable and fun it is to broadcast your games on the radio. Call 425-653-1150 and make your next season something special. That's 425-653-1150. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show. You can find out more about me at oregioasis.com or the LorettaBrownShow.com. My guest today is Robert Sharp. He's the author of The Heart and Soul of Caring, The Joys and Challenges of Being a Caregiver. We're going to open the lines if you are a caregiver You've got some questions about that, or you know someone who is, or you're going to be headed toward it. We'd love to have you call in and uh, just talk to Robert for a little bit. You can ask him some questions. The number is 425-373-5527 or 1-888-298-5569. Again, those numbers are 425 373 5527 or 1-888-298-5569. And 5569 is KKNW. Aren't we clever? <laughs> anyway, so I think that this subject of, of, of caregiving and receiving is um, it's a very sensitive and um, it's kind of a heartfelt subject. And it, it really is a big deal, as those of you know that, that are either headed toward that or being faced with it in your life. I, I think one of the things I hear the most of, of is um, people doing their best not to fall into resentment, but they do fall into resentment and, and quite often lose track of the fact that the person they're caring for is actually a person, a soul. And Robert, I wonder if you can just talk about some of the challenges of that and how do we navigate that? Yeah, um, well, one of the things that's really important, and, and it was really in your predictions for the upcoming year or, or things to focus on, is the idea of self-care. Mm -hmm. um, when, you, when you said that, you know, it immediately brought to mind that, you know, that is one area where caregivers will often let slide. Um, you know, a lot of times it'll be maybe out of feeling that, um, you know, I need to spend more time giving the care and, you know, my needs can kind of take, you know, the back burner for now. Um, one of the stories um, in, in the book it was, is a woman, Malana. Um, she and her husband were living in Honduras and, and her husband uh, took ill and then became wheelchair-bound, and they were living in a home where it was two-story and the living quarters were upstairs. So she had an incredible time, you know, taking care of him and then recognizing, um, you know, it was important for her to take care of herself. She was a natural mm -hmm. path, so she had, she had that natural instinct, knowing it's important to take care of self. Um, and she did several things. Um, to set aside time to, you know, really focus on herself. Um, now, one of the things that in the, her story that she wrote early on was 
you know, if I wasn't around, who would be here to take care of Orton, her husband? Mm -hmm. And from the time that she wrote her story and to the time I published it, in between that, she passed on. Um, and Orden was still around. So, I mean, her greatest fear of what would happen, you know, if I wasn't here, came to be. And, you know, that was, you know, despite um, her, you know, implementing um, actions to, you know, to take care of herself. But she felt that, you know, maybe she didn't she needed to do it sooner than later so she was one of those that put things off for a long time so you know i would say one of the biggest things is is to like you say for this year self-care for caregivers to take care of themselves not to feel guilty about mm -hmm. you know taking mm -hmm. care of, of their um, themselves again remembering you know they need to be healthy in order to take care of um, their loved one and so that was that was that was one of the things, and, and, and another um, a gentleman who put in a story, uh, Tom Wynn, about his parents and grandparents, um, he and his wife were caregivers, and they actually scheduled time each month. I was on the calendar for them to do that, you know, to go away for the weekend, to, you know, bring in other family members to step in while they were gone. So they, they knew the importance of that, and they actually scheduled it and, and found that, um that was an important part, the actual scheduling and following through, you know, because otherwise they, they too, like many, would let things slip. I love that advice. Um, I, I really do. Self-care, you're right, because we can so easily just say, well, okay, I, you know, I only have so much time in the day and I really have to take care of them. But this guilt thing, <laughs> guilty, yeah. Uh -huh. People quite often feel guilty if they need to take time to themselves or if they find themselves um, getting angry, right? Not, you know, because you share, right. that, share that in some of the stories are frustration, anger, resentment, and just, man, I just don't feel like taking care of this person today. And, and the person, the receiver, can pick up on that. And, right. And, and here they are in a situation what they can't really do anything about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I got a question there because I, I was thinking about this while I was reading um, your sweet book. Um, what do we do or how can we handle the people, you know, because I really am getting into the shoes of the receiver who has lived this life where they maybe have been an amazing person Maybe they've been your mother or father, which is amazing, right? <laughs> Problematic, mm -hmm. right? They took care of you. But they're at a time in their life where they're starting to lose their faculties. And I know that from that side, from the receiver side, they quite often can be very resentful or um, proud, I might say. And they don't really want to, they don't want you to do those things for them. Um, yeah. yeah. You mean the, the receiver? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that was yeah. There was one, one uh, story, um, Tammy Davis, uh, about her father, who was a very independent man, very very strong, you know, and prided himself on doing things himself. You know, a one of the you know jack of all trades. He would do all kinds of things as far as repairs, and so I mean, when he got to the point where he needed care. Um, there was that resentment because, I mean, his whole life was independent, you know, and that was, you know, for him, that was the, um, 
you know, that was his purpose, is, is to be the provider for the family and, and even, you know, even if it meant putting, you know, his dreams aside, it, it didn't matter. It was all for family. And, and the, the one thing that um, Tammy shared with me was that, you know, she really, um, even though he was at that one point, you know, of, of needing the care, she let him know that, you know, like you said, you know, they provide care for you. So she let him know that he provided care for her and her family for his whole life. Um, that, you know, um, it's time for him to receive some of that back, you, you know, and that, you know, that acknowledged the fact that she um, recognized his need for independence or desire for independence. Um, but that was not where life is at that moment, you know. So um, so a lot of times it's, you know, acknowledging, you know, the essence, you know, in that particular case, his strength you know, and and what he did for the, the family for their whole life, um, you know, as well as you know, if some of the memories are slipping away, um, I think it's real important to create new memories, you mm-hmm. know, and even if they're short-term, you know, and some, mm-hmm. some of the people may not recall that yesterday we did this, but nonetheless, if you can create memories that... Um, that the individual, you know, can can hold on to, you know, with you know, with other fading memories. It's like okay, we can maybe add some new replacements. Now they're not the exact same, but they're memories. And and if you know you do it in a loving way, it's very you know, it'll be heart to heart and something that'll go on beyond their past. I like that idea, creating new memories. I am. Um... I know that, you know, for, for my father who, who was, you know, going into Alzheimer's and uh, quite often I would come and he would say, I know, he goes, I, I know I should know who you are, but I don't know who you are, right? Like, who are mm-hmm. you? And mm-hmm. and for me, it was like, uh, I just had to accept that every day I might just have to say, well, you know, I'm Loretta. <laughs> and then you're he'd go, right. oh, okay, you're Loretta, right? Okay, good, you know. <laughs> Like right, that, I'm yeah. your daughter, right? And uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I had, um, mm-hmm. I had. I'm sorry. One one author um, friend of mine wrote a book about her experience with her mother um, and Alzheimer's, and the title of her book is "Yes, Mother, I Am Your Daughter." <laughs> you know? And uh, you know, and, and uh, unfortunately, the author also has just been diagnosed with early Alzheimer's. So, you know, it's one of those things where you, you like you say, you may have to repeat it, you know, um, but that's just their reality. And, it's in, you know, getting angry with them, you know, about uh, not remembering is, is um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a waste of time in the sense that, you know, you can't change their, you know, their experience. So, um, and getting angry about it, you know, doesn't serve any purpose. It, you know, the whole idea of like, okay, well, this is who I am, and and um, and then maybe you can, you know, touch on a memory or something that that that'll click. You know, and uh, you know, and and if not, then you basically relate to each other person to person in the now. In the now, yeah, uh, I I like that advice, person to person in the now, because that also covers like. Uh, one of my clients was sharing with me that she has uh, 
uh, caregiver for her mother who has Alzheimer's and can't remember anything. And also there's some dementia, which is, has brought some, um, her mother's angry side or, or rebellious mm-hmm. side is up. And so she'll come for sessions and be just, um, you know, really thrown off by the whole thing. And what she's really doing is she's grieving the loss of her mother as she knew her. And her mother's still alive, but you understand yeah. what I'm saying. I think many of the listeners understand what I'm saying. So, yeah. 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 And that's, you know, and that's, that is one of the, you know, the tough areas where you have to kind of grieve before it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, um, when it comes to anger, you know, that's the, the one thing that I, whenever I've been confronted with that kind of situation with anger, I, I just have to kind of sit back and think, you know, this, this person is is in a situation that I am sure they do not like. You know, there are, you know, I'm sure there are things that, they, you know, that are, are very um, challenging and, and frustrating. And so anger is, um, in a way, a natural outlet for that, that frustration. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, self-care you know, self-care can, I, I do like this idea of putting it on a schedule on the calendar where somebody else comes and watches them. And I, I know some of the listeners, I know some of you don't have family members that you can rely on or that will step in, <laughs> right? Or they mm-hmm. don't they don't live in this part of the country, you know, or, or whatever the deal it is. I, I have had um, talks with some of my clients who are very resentful of, of the fact that they're the caregiver and other family members just don't do anything, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's you know that's and that is, is especially you know in today's society when families are you know split all across the country, um, you know it can be a challenge. And you know, and the only thing that I have really kind of found, you know, when it came to that, is that it's kind of like the situation was created for specifically for the caregiver and receiver, for their relationship. You talked about soul contract. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that mm-hmm. would be very much in line with, you know, it was their soul contract to be the caregiver at that particular time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like this idea of soul contract. Um, uh, you know, we don't always understand what those are about. I have people that, you know, because, you know, I'm a spiritual counselor, and, and um, they'll say, Loretta, you know what? What is the soul contract here? And sometimes the soul contract is as simple as I will I will take care of you at that time because you took care mm-hmm. of me somewhere along the line and it is the right thing for me to do. And the right thing is not always comfortable. I hate to tell people that. Yeah. Wish I could say it was just going to be a an easy thing, but you know, we've got our own challenges in there and we are souls on a journey. We're people too. We have feelings. And um, yeah. I always kind of think like you do that, you know, when, when it's my time to be at the end of life, you know, don't we all want to be treated with dignity at some level, you know? As yeah, exactly. You know, and, and the one thing, you know, when it, when it comes time to that, um, you know, that soul contract, I, I think it's, it's the relationship, you know, it's the, the loving relationship between the two individuals and and the one thing that is real really consistent um with with the stories and from what i've heard from people afterward is that even though it may have been tough 
and difficult and challenging um, in hindsight, and it's usually in hindsight, <laughs> they, the, the, the caregiver really received something mm. like, you know, uh, strength that they didn't know that they even had or, or a, um, a, a loving connection, you know, that wasn't there before or maybe even gifts of intuition that, you know, kind of popped up as a result of, you know, that particular period. So um, it just seemed that everyone got some kind of gift as a result of, of that relationship. Yeah, that's a powerful statement because I've had a lot of people say also um, it was really difficult, whatever it was, but in the end they're so glad that they did it. It was like I did everything I could and now I'm good. You know, I'm mm-hmm. good with that. And, and um, yeah, the whole end of life thing I think so challenging in many, many ways. So... Uh, for the listeners, if you're listening and you'd like to call into the show, we still have time. My guest is Robert Sharp, and we're talking about the heart and soul of caring and the relationship, of course, between the caregiver and the receiver. The numbers at the radio show are 425-373-5527 or 1-888-298-5569. And if you're a caregiver or you just have a question about caregiving or just a comment that you'd like to make, we would love to hear from you and be on the show with us today. Um, in your book, you I think the first story is uh, written by your sister about your mother. <laughs> Can you comment on that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was, um, of course, when I woke up that day, the, the first person I thought of was her. Um, <laughs> and I, 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 I have a feeling that maybe my mother in my dream state was the one planting the seed. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to ask you that, like just poking you just a little bit, like, hey, yeah, right. uh-huh. <laughs> yes. from the other side, just saying. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. And, and uh, since then, I've you know kind of uh, felt her presence around. So I, I have a feeling, but but yeah, nonetheless, sure. I, I you know that was the first thing that I thought of, and so my my sister was was more than happy to write a story about her caring for my mom and, and her last days and. Um, it, the the one thing that was interesting, well, first of all, um, my mother and I were estranged for like 15, almost 20 years, and and still at the end of life. I mean, it, that wasn't reconciled. So that was one of those areas. That's why when, when her wow. popping in to do this, it's like, a, come on now. <laughs> you want to talk now? <laughs> wow. But, uh, okay. But, uh, but my sister kind of, um, in the story that she wrote, she... Um, Kind of let me know that one of the things that that uh, kind of made her sad was that she wasn't able to get my mother to the point of reconciling with me before she passed. Oh. Um, that was one thing she she tried multiple times, um, and I had tried, you know, over the years to, to bridge that gap and and wasn't able to. But but when I got that story from her, I hadn't had no idea the effort that my sister had put in to, you know, having the relationship be repaired. Um, So as soon as I got that, I recognized that, you know, there are probably so many stories like that, that Mm -hmm. caregivers, um, you know, go beyond, you know, their their, um, the expectation of of trying to help the care receiver uh, wrap up life with, you know, little to no regret, you know, um, 
kind of making peace yeah. with yeah. with with those who it isn't the case. And so, you know, that was the one. As soon as I got her story, I recognized that. Well, you know, I learned something from her story personally. So, you know, I'm sure that all the other stories that will come after that will have the same kind of insight. That's um, that's a very heartfelt uh, story, Robert. Um, it's tender, tender in my heart. I I think you're absolutely right. Um, at the end of life, uh, the caregiver does have an amazing opportunity to, uh, yeah, find out something. Or, or in this case, you discovered um, that an attempt had been made and you didn't even know. You didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your sister didn't come to you. I. I don't mean to be so personal, but how did that affect you? Because, you know, yeah. Um, well, about the, when, when I first learned about the attempts that she had made, my, my first thought was I kind of wish my sister would have let me know yeah. in a way, you know, that she had tried to do this or, you know, and, and then maybe I could have made another, yet another attempt. Um, but then, you know, I recognized my mother was a very stubborn woman, <laughs> uh, very stubborn, and, uh, you know, and, uh, it, you it know, happens. And, yeah, it does, you know. In, in and, the feminine uh, year of 2019, it might happen again. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so, you know, in the end, you know, I recognize that this was her journey, and, and what she wanted to do mm-hmm. with her life and death was up to her. I mean, you know, truly, I mean, she, she was the one in control of making, you know, those decisions. So yeah. um, I had to, you know, just let go of any kind of attachment to how it how it played out. Um, again, because I, I think, you know, each person's journey is their journey. You know, and, and you know, we can try and and help and assist and guide, but in the end, it's the individual's choice. Yeah. I um, quite often say to my clients, you know, when they get upset about things, and even my own self, to, you know, can you just uh, honor that person's journey? Can you allow them to be the way they need to be? And it isn't the way I want them to be. It would be nice if they'd all do it my way, but they don't. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. But this ability to just honor that that journey of their soul and um, let go, that I think helps us let go of that tight jaw and that anger and resentment and, huh, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's what was she wanted, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and, and like you say, you, you kind of release yourself from um, having any kind of uh, negative feelings, any guilt and, you know, whatever um, about how things turned out because um, you place responsibility where, where it should be <laughs> with, with well. that person. Yeah. And and I'm thinking too, well she was stubborn, so she was stubborn to the end. So that's <laughs> yeah. that's her motto, stubborn to the end. There you go. <laughs> exactly. 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 And, and now she's stubborn from the other side. She's stubborn on the <laughs> other side, more. right? She came back, she's still stubborn. Uh and I mean that with all due respect, but um, oh, we do laugh yeah. about things. I remember when my father uh passed away that we all shared cuz he was one of these people that liked to jo- do jokes on people or you know, push you to the point of frustration. Mm-hmm. And he did that all the way to the end of his life and still on the other side. And and it's, it becomes endearing. It's like, oh, that's that's who he was, of course, you know. 
It's not going to be any different. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But but you know it, it's it's just one of those cases where you know particularly from the other side of you know they're exhibiting you know uh, characteristics of, of when they were um, in life. I mean that's that connection. That's that you know soul to soul connection yeah. that was formed in, in life and that I think is the conduit for afterlife connection. Yes, I think it is and. And, of course, I've had a lot of guests lately. We've been talking about the afterlife and, and the ability for the dearly departed to actually communicate with us from the other side. It's a, it's a reality. Um, I want to make, we have just a couple of minutes left. I, have, I, I just want to make one comment about music and memory and Alzheimer's patients. And I want to share a quick little story that um, with my father, you know, because he would forget who I was and so forth. But if I took a little piano in there and played, he could sing all the old hymns. He remembered everything through the music. And so that music therapy, you've got a story about that in your book, and, and uh, I just want to point people toward that. Now I have a, 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 a last question. What is the purpose of the blank Our Story section at the end of the book? And like I say, we've got about right. a minute left. Yeah, yeah. When, when I got the book first, published and had it out with people to review and make comments and that kind of thing. Um, usually what would happen is the first thing they would start by saying which story they could, you know, relate to most. Um, and then it would be quickly followed by their own personal story of, mm. you know, you know, why, you know, why this particular one, um, you know, resonated with them. And so I, I thought that it would be great to have at the end of the book a, a section where a caregiver can um, create, write their own story. I mean, they get the book, yeah. you know, they can, now each, the book has a picture of each care receiver and they can put their own picture in there and then write their story. And it can be a, a gift to either the receiver um, the care receiver or other family members, and in a way that it will kind of um, immortalize, you know, that particular kind of connection. So I, I just wanted people to be able to have the opportunity to tell their story to, to others. I love that. So this is Loretta Brown. My guest today has been Robert Sharp, with an E at the end of his name. The name of his book is The Heart and Soul of Caring. And uh, where can they get your book? Where can they find you? Real quickly, Robert. Well, the book is on Amazon, um, but it's also on, available on my website, which is BiteRadio.me. BiteRadio.me. I love it. And anyway, Happy <laughs> New Year, everybody. So much love to you all. And Robert Sharp, thank you for being on my radio show. We'll talk to you again. Bye now. Thank you.